Welcome to the Temple of Glory Community Church, where the Word of God is never compromised. At this time, our pastor, Bishop Matthew Odom Sr., will deliver the message for the people of God. Please like, share, and subscribe to this message. Exodus 7, 17 and 8, the Word of the Lord. Then came, then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Yoshia or Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. My subject this morning, for those of you that write down subjects, capital U, capital U, Done, D-U-N, messed, M-E-S-S-E-D, wit, W-I-T, the wrong one. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, you done messed with the wrong one. That was your rehearsal. Now I want you to tell Satan, devil. You done mess with the wrong one. Maybe seated in the presence of the Lord. This morning's message, and I will give you the abbreviated version because worship has been so powerful. I trust you believe me when I tell you I could go on for an hour with this one. But because I like you a little bit, you will get the 20-minute version. Because as Deacon Patrick said, I won't be before you. We're all familiar with this story. So we can cut to the chase. What has happened is the children of Israel have come out of bondage. They're in the wilderness. And they have recently experienced a major victory in that they were thirsty. And God, through Moses, supplied water. They were grumbling and complaining. So they ended up calling the place where they were Meribah and Massah, which speaks of grumbling speaks of complaining. 
God heard Moses' plea and had Moses to arrange for them to have water to drink. Soon after that victory, here comes the devil in the form of Amalek or the Amalekites. Well, as we stand on the precipice of this great revival to start Wednesday night, the church needs to be encouraged as well as informed that one of the times that the enemy prefers to attack you is on the heels of what would be considered a victory. Why is this important? Well, for one reason, because of the worship we're experiencing this morning. Satan doesn't like it when we get beside ourselves in worship and praise. I'm talking to those of you who meant it this morning. The devil doesn't like it when you get too happy in, in the koinonia, in the fellowship. He doesn't like it when we're enjoying Jesus and enjoying one another all at the same time. And that's when he likes to attack. The second reason we're in this passage this morning is to give a brief uh, bit of counsel to the church family in that an episode in this, in this passage where Moses sends Joshua in the valley and he, along with Aaron and her, ascend to a hill. There is warring going on in the valley and there is warring going on on the hill. The warring in the valley is physical. The intercession on the hill is spiritual. You have to learn to do both. The third reason we're in this passage is that we need to know that the power comes from on high. And oftentimes, whether you 21st century believers believe it or not, oftentimes it comes through the intercessor and is filtered down into the valley. For those of you that are familiar, the same sequence takes place in Psalm 133, where the psalmist says, oh, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In the second verse, it says, and I quote, it is like the precious ointment upon the head, the head that ran down ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went to the skirts of his garments. The anointing does not flow 
upward. The anointing flows down. Stay with me. And if you're thinking, oh, you're just talking about, no, I'm going somewhere else. Before you fight in the valley, make sure you're interceding in the hill. Too many of us have tried to fight battles in our flesh. Thinking we're smart enough, thinking we're clever enough, thinking we've got enough money, thinking we've got enough clout, thinking we've, our last name is going, listen, the anointing starts in a spiritual place. And then God gives you the strength to fight down here on earth. I wish I had 14 folk that, that can, 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 can grab a hold of the fact that there have been people in your life who couldn't understand how you were able to make it through the things you've gone through because they saw you in the valley. But what they failed to realize is that there was some serious stuff going on on the hill. I wish somebody would help me here. You see, it's on the hill where you tell God all of your troubles. It's on the hill where you lay it all out. It's on the hill where you confess. It's on the hill where you give it all to God. It's on the hill where you take your hands off it and wait on the anointing. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. It's the anointing that breaks the chains. It's the anointing that will give you strength to run when folk are just waiting on you to fall. Now, before I go any further, is there anybody here that can attest to the fact that there have been some times when folk have been waiting on you to fall and instead of you getting finger, you got stronger. And the reason you got stronger was because you spent some quality time in the intercessory Look at somebody and tell them you don't you mess with the wrong one. Second part of this message is simply this. And I hope I'm talking to you. You don't mess with God's property. All kind of ways. Now I ain't, I ain't picking at nobody because I'm, I'm starting with myself. But if you're bold enough, if you're arrogant enough, I would that you look at somebody and, and, and tell them think twice. People fail to recognize the fact that if you belong, John, to God, you may be flawed as are we all, but if you belong to God, there's an insurance policy. There's a program where God looks after his own. You may stumble sometimes. Stacy, you may have your difficult seasons, but if you're God's property, folk can't mess with you. All kinds. Anybody feel like letting go today? Uh, if, you, if you're God's property, look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, think twice, think twice. 
think twice. And see, here's the other thing. When you're God's property, you don't always look like you're as strong as you are. On the outside, you may appear fragile. On the outside, you may appear timid. On the outside, you may appear soft. But if you're God's property and the anointing is flowing, Satan should, he should have gotten enough by now of touching God's anointing. In, in, in today's text, and I'm going to hurry. The children of Israel, and first thing, you need to know this, Elder Singleton, to this point, until we get to Exodus 17, there is no mentioning in the Bible of Israel having an army. There has been no basic training. There has been no air corps. There's been no marines. There's been no army. There's been no coast guard. There is no army. They had just come out of Egypt. And in Egypt, Brother Kevin, they were slaves. All they knew about was building bricks without straw. But I've learned that when God delivers you, he already knows you're going to have some battles. And God can give you overnight training. I know y'all ain't ready for this. How many of you remember that movie, The Matrix? If you remember The Matrix, then you remember that, 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 that uh, they had programs that they could put in Neo to make him capable of doing this, that, or the other. Uh, 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 the woman that was, I can't think of her name, but she couldn't fly a helicopter. She couldn't do this, but they put in the right program. Then all of a sudden, she was able to do it. And, and there are some things you thought you could not do. But when God puts in the anointing, when, when the program is in place, things you thought you weren't capable of, God can arrange for you. What are you talking about? Well, there have been times when you thought you couldn't keep your peace. But then God put in a program. There have been times when you thought you couldn't turn the other cheek. But then God put in another program. There are times when you thought you couldn't pray yourself through a situation. But God put in a program. Look at somebody tell them I'm programmed. You better think twice. You better think twice. You don't know who you're messing with. There's, there's no mention of an army. There's no mention of an army. Uh, Israel has come out of uh, the wilderness. They, they, they're in the wilderness. They've come out of slavery. They've come out of bondage. Uh, they've gone a few days. They went without water. God blessed them. Uh, earlier on, they needed food. God blessed them. And they're feeling kind of victorious. And here comes the devil. Here comes the devil in the form of the Amalekites. Now, I want you to notice something about the Amalekites. Uh, and I've said this before, Barbara Howard, they don't fight fair. 
And, and I don't know if y'all know it or not, but the devil is not going to call you or send you an invitation telling you this time next week you and I are going to do battle. That's not how he operates. He's not going to text you. He's not going to email, email you. He's not going to drop anything on Instagram. When you know anything, the devil has already come up against you. And he's not always going to come up against you in the front. Sometimes he will try to attack you from the rear. Sometimes he will come at you in ways that you wouldn't even think he would or through people you would never think he would. The Malachites were a uh, nomadic group of warriors. Nomads meant that they traveled. They went from place to place. They had no stationary home. But their, 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 their job, what they did was they went to attack and to take and to pillage and to rob and to steal whatever they felt they needed to survive. And anybody got in their way, they felt that they could just bum rush them and take them over. The Amalekites are the descendants of Amalek. Amalek was a grandson of Esau. Esau was the twin brother of Jacob. And if you recall, Jacob and Esau fought in the womb, fought after they were born. And their descendants, now the Malachites, want to fight against Israel. So when they saw Israel trying to cross over in the wilderness, they thought this was the perfect time to attack them. And for them, this would be business as well as pleasure because this is how we make our living. This is how we survive. But also it's an opportunity to get back at those Israel. What they fail to realize, and I'm coming home, is the same thing many folk fail to realize when they come against you funny. Vanessa, they don't know who they're messing with. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I need, I, and, and I ain't trying to put nobody on the spot, but this is how I'm going to close. I, I need to see the hands of those of you that have a serious prayer life. A serious prayer life. If you have a serious prayer life, then I'm talking to you because you represent both Moses and Joshua right now. The Bible says that the Amalekites attacked the Israelites from the rear. They attacked the feeble. They attacked those that were weak, those that were sick. And, and this should have been an easy battle for the Amalekites to win but one thing they overlooked you don't come up my Marian against God's property all kind of ways I'm, I'm going to my seat because y'all don't feel like I, the worship was good I'm going to leave it there but I, I need five people right now to just shout out my house is covered my car is covered my family is covered my, my, my children are covered I, my prayer life is of such that, that, that things that are dear to me that are covered I'm God's property and wherever I extend my hand that too is covered what do you mean Stacey I mean your children may not understand prayer but they're my Mama does. And since mama's got them covered, they too walk in the blessings of the covering. Ah. 
So here's what Moses says. Moses, Moses, Moses. And this is the first time you hear the name Joshua. You will hear it 200 more times in the, in the Bible, but this is the first time his name comes up. He's Moses' servant. See, you got to learn how to serve before you can lead. And Moses says to, to Joshua, Joshua, here's what I need you to do. Remember, there is no army, army, Deacon Stanley. There's a bunch of slaves. But Moses says to Joshua, round up some, some folk. And that's what we're going to do this week in, in, in revival. We're going to round up some folk that, that are willing to serve the Lord and, let, and, and put yesterday behind and not let the pandemic be an excuse for us not to give God our best and not allow our financial calamities to be an excuse for us to not give God our best. We're not going to allow what people said to stop us from giving God our best. Moses said to Joshua, round up some folk and here's what we're going to do. Tomorrow I'm going up on the hill and I'm going to work in intercessory prayer and I want you to go down in the valley. Somebody's got to pray. Somebody's got to fight. You fight in the valley. I'm going to fight on the hill. Do I have any witnesses? The Bible says that Joshua did exactly what Moses said. And Moses went up on the mountain on the hill with Aaron and her. Y'all know the story. I don't even have to describe it, Margaret. As long as Moses had his hands up with the rod in his hand, uh, whatever, whatever was going on in the valley turned in Israel's favor. So Sharon, what I, what I mean is this. As long as prayer was going up, victory. Oh, y'all, I thought y'all would have got that. As long as prayer was going up, victory was apparent. As long as prayer was going up, Moses had his hands up. Joshua was able to win in the valley. Oh, but when Moses' hands began to come down, in other words, when the prayer began to wane, Joshua and his soldiers begin to lose. I can't go to my seat until y'all get this. As long as the prayers were going up, there was victory in the valley. But, but when Moses' hands got heavy, you, you, you can only hold your hands up so long, especially if you ain't got no help. Oh, Lord. But if you got a little help, the Bible says that Aaron and her were on either side of Moses. And they saw that when Moses got weary and his hands began to come down, casualties began to increase in the valley. So Aaron on one side and her on the other side lifted up Moses' hands. As a matter of fact, they got a stone and they set Moses on a rock. I can't take this and interpret it, but I just feel something overseer. When they set Moses on a rock, if, if, if that rock is Jesus and Moses is sitting on the rock, he's on a solid foundation. They set him on a rock and they held his hands up. 
I've got one question and I'm going to turn it over to my overseer. That question is, I can understand why Joshua got tired in the valley and they began to lose. But what I can't understand, you see, the Bible says that Moses was never sick a day in his life. He was strong. His eyes were sharp until the day he died. Well, then if Moses was in such good condition how is it that he got tired up on the mountain the answer comes back elder Dottie he didn't get tired in the flesh he got tired in the spirit because anytime you're fighting spiritual warfare it takes a lot of energy you got to pray and then pray some more and then pray some more how many of you know if you put it in the master's hands, God will. So Moses, with his hands up and being buoyed on either side because he had help. There's nothing worse than trying to lead people and you have no help it's hard to lead when everybody's saying amen but nobody wants to do anything it's hard for us to be a congregation of spectators and nobody wants to participate but if you look at this story there's participation because you've got you've got men fighting in the valley that had never been to war before and then you've got Aaron and her up on the hill holding up the man of God I leave you with this the Bible says that when they helped him and his hands was up until the going down of the sun Joshua and his band, his motley crew, his band of misfits defeated a nomadic army who was skilled at war. The Bible says they were discomfited and victory was theirs. God specializes in helping the underdog. God specializes. And that ought to be encouragement to somebody in here right now because folk have counted you out. They've looked at you. They've laughed at you. They said you could never make it. You could never have. You could never do. But this is the day you're supposed to shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph and just let the devil know, devil, you miss. Ah, oh, you, you, you missed this one. You missed this one. You put your hands on the wrong. See, I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm Holy Ghost filled. You don't mess with the wrong one. I've got power that I can use by the authority of the name of Jesus. In church, you better start using the authority that God has given you. Stop being sissified. Stop standing back. Stop being scared. Stand up. Stick your chest out and tell the devil, I'm a child of the king. Oh, come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's praise him. We thank you, Father. We thank you.
Thank you so much for listening in to the Temple of Glory podcast. I know the word have been a blessing to you. We'll see you again soon.